definition for what it means to reorient ourselves. It means to adjust and align ourselves or one's ideas to surroundings and circumstances in a new or different way, which means that the things that you've been seeing, the things that you've been doing, these are what we're going to challenge a little bit. Okay? And as we've looked through here, we're looking at areas of Scripture that show us what it means exactly to follow God's way, God's will, in His time, in His way. And this morning, it's going to help us as we reorient our lives in, in a simple distinction. A simple distinction that I think Christians fall into a problem. We have a tendency to focus on sin. Amen to that? Anyone go, yeah, you know what? I've noticed that in church. You talk about sin a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. And my parents talked about sin a whole lot. They were always describing my sisters. <laughs> right? I was trying to lead by example, you know. If you just do what I did, you know, everything would be. And they are so down with that even now as adults. They are so, yes, David, we should have just listened to you. I mean, completely, right? right. But, but sin, right? Uh, the way we look at sin in our lives, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we're not saying we aren't sinners. Everyone here today is a sinner. Whether you are a believer in God, whether you say, yeah, you know what, I get it. Jesus is the son of the living God. He is the savior of the world. He did come. He died. He took my sin upon him, okay? And I'm forever forgiven. And that, that is a great truth. But you know what, folks, we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to lament our sin. We, we have a tendency to keep bringing it up. I don't know if you're uh, married to anyone that kind of brings up the past. I've heard that that sometimes happens in marriages, okay? Uh, I don't know if some of you have parents that like to bring up the past. I, I've heard that that sometimes happens in families, right? You go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas and you're just like... Okay, we have to handle the onslaught, right? And if you're single and you go home, right, at Christmas break or anything, all your friends, they're going, so you're seeing anyone? No. Well, what's wrong with you? How come you're not married yet? You're 30 for crying out loud. I already had three children by the time, right? I mean, on and on. And you say, well, that's not even about sin, but that's how people treat us. I mean, that's, they have all these expectations for us, and what's incredible is that they have a tendency to focus on what we don't do well. I know as a parent, I, I do that. I mean, I wake up in the morning, right? You know, you woke up late, you didn't make your bed yet. For crying out loud, get your shoes on for crying. Do you not realize the bus is going to get here? You haven't even eaten breakfast yet! Get your coat on. Nope, two coats. It's raining. Come on. We need to stand down by the bus. Hello, let's go. And all I've done is spend the entire hour pointing out what my children have done wrong. And then I give them a hug. Hey, have a great day. <laughs> Get on the bus. And, I, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is not good. How is this helpful? You have a boss that only ever points out what you do wrong? Make sure you know about it? You ever had friends that were like that? Coaches that were like that? Spouses that were like that? 
I'm not saying we ignore the sin in our lives. Don't hear me wrong. We, we need to make sure we know where we properly stand. That's part of reorienting ourselves is acknowledging this is where I'm at. And where we're going to go this morning is Galatians chapter 5. But if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like you to, I'd like you to turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Because here, God, what he does is he points out and he says, Hey, Israel, yeah, you whom I've created, you who I gave extra special attention to, my favored nation, you're not getting it done right. You're not doing it right. So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem, people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have uh, been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now, I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take, it away. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will condemn the cl- uh, command the clouds not even to rain on it. And the vineyard of the Lord Almighty, well, that's the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. See, he looked for justice, but he only saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but he heard only cries of distress. What that means in those seven quick verses from Isaiah, the prophet yells out to the nation of Israel and says, Do you not realize who you are? God made you a vineyard. He went into the promised land, carved it out, put up hedges of protection, put a watchtower. He sent you prophets to watch over you. He sent you leadership to say, hey folks, watch out for the enemies. And he protected you from those enemies. All he asked was that you produce the crop that he had in store for you. Good grapes. And the prophet says, nope, when God looked down, he goes, all you're producing are bad grapes. No good fruit. Now that kind of stings a little bit. But, but God, right? We always have an excuse when sin comes down, right? The condemnation of God comes to us and says, you're not getting it right. Well, but I, I'm just new to the church. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of scripture yet. And so I, I don't know how I'm supposed to act. Or, you know what? I'm tired, God. I, I got a boss that tells me what to do. I got family that tells me what to do. I don't need to come to some other place and hear some guy yak, yak, yak from the word of God and tell me what to do. I'm tired of it. But God says this. I made you. I gave you a place to live. 
I gave you protection, and I gave you everything to produce a good crop. And you've simply not done it. And I think that's all of our understanding for our lives. We look at the good blessings of God, and quite frankly, if we are honest with ourselves, we say, I have not produced a good crop. I'm still angry. I still sin. I still fly off. I mean, all these things. We just start listing our sins. But here's the problem. Once you know this becomes a problem, because Satan loves it when Christians focus on sin. Because he, he goes, I tell you what, I may not get them to quit believing in God, but if I can get them to focus on their sin, then they'll wallow in it. And other people will remind them of it. And if I can keep them in their sin, here, here's, here's the best one yet. Do you realize that over-focus on your sin is really idolatry? Think about it. Well, I just need to keep working on this. I mean, pastor talked about patience and peace, and I don't have those, and I got I to work on that, and I got to work on that. And you start to listen to that self-talk. I got to work on that. I need to get better at that. I need to quit doing that. I, 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 I. And Satan loves it when you focus on yourself. And before you know it, you're not thinking about God. You're not thinking about Jesus. You're not reading God's word of what a blessing grace is in your life. You're all focused about trying to stay away from sin. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We don't want to live there, right, in the sin universe. We don't want to live there. But all too often, we make the choice in our life to stay there when, in fact, God says, wait a minute. Didn't I take you out of the land of slavery? Right? You were shackled and bound, and I have set you free, and I actually put you into the promised land. And even there, I've put a hedge of protection around you. I've set a watchtower. You still have all my blessings. And I tell you what, I want you to produce fruit. I want you to live. But no, we, I need to be a humble, quiet little Christian that doesn't make any waves. No! He says, live! Live in the kingdom that I've given you. Live in the way that I have set before you. Live. Live. You don't have these verses here. I'm just going to read it. It's from, I, from Galatians chapter 5. It's verse 1. I just want you to hear these. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You're free. You're not bound by sin. You're not bound by your past. How many of you have a sin right now you immediately know of that if it got out public right now, you would just be mortified? Go ahead, raise your hands if you got one of those. The rest of you are liars that aren't raising your hands. I guarantee you. See, you don't know what I'm about to say. Because you're about to go, if he says, now confess that for the first time in your life to the person next to you, I'm out of here. No, here's the point. When Mark was praying, forgive me uh, my sins, did you put that one out there between you and God? Did you say that? Did you mention it? Is it was it on your radar at all? My guess is probably yes. 
then get over it. Because also what Mark reminded us is that my sin is forgiven. Freedom. Freedom. So stand firm and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. When we wallow in our sin, when we can't get past our sin, when we allow it to overtake us, we have just become slaves again. And I can picture Jesus going, I done forgave you for that one already. Move on. Hello, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Or or did we not just sing that? (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it sounded good at the time. Then live it. Then live it. Verse 3, I want you to hear this. Again, declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. I want you to understand, you have been freed, right, from the curse of the law, but you haven't been freed from the obligation to the law. What is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is death. You have been freed from that. God is not going to kill you because you've sinned. That's the curse of the law. But you haven't been freed from its obligation. God still says, this is how I want you to live. This is how you should live. This is how the world around you needs you to live. And of course, with most of us, with our, some church background, we go, oh, well, how should I live? It's going to begin with the list of what not to do. And Satan loves it. Oh, good, they're going to spend a lot of time on all the sins. Not today, we're not. Because you and I both know where we stand in front of God. As far as sinner, I'm a sinner. But how God sees us, he sees saint. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, right? Uh, Saint and sinner. At the same time, here's the problem. It's bad theology to believe that we are equally saint and sinner. That's not the phrase. And for those of you that grew up in Lutheran churches, I'm stepping on your toes this morning because you're going, no, 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 no. I've heard this. Simultaneously saint and sinner. You are simultaneously saint and sinner. They're just not equal. Romans 6 says, you have been buried with Christ and have died. But because he rose from the grave, you too shall rise. So now you live in Jesus. You are fully saint in the eyes of God. And he says, live like the saint. Sin, it's dead. The body has died. All that stuff has passed. But you still battle, sure. We battle every day. Hey, I'm going to try to be loving and kind instead of angry. Yeah, okay. But don't dwell on the sin. Spend your time going, how do I live today? What is the blessing I can be to the people around me? Even though I feel angry, tired, lonely, hungry. Even though people are bad to me, nasty towards me, and don't let me in when I'm trying to merge. 
to live. And do you know what the descriptor is? Is that he says, you want to know what living looks like? It's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and following. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are not commanded by God. You better do these things. No, if you've ever wondered if you're a Christian, right? James writes this. Well, you have faith that produces works, meaning fruit. Do you have fruit? If you've got these fruit, then you're a Christian. You're a believer. Well, but my faith wavers. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about whether your faith is strong or wavers or whether you're doubting or fearful of God or any of his promises or any of these things. No, are you? Have you ever exhibited these things? Then you're a believer. You're a believer. And, and this is how we live. We learn to walk with the Spirit. So we live in Christ. We walk with the Spirit. Let me explain this. I have a rather long stride, right? Security team loves it when I'm going from one place to the other place because I am... I am ready to go, right? Little Chris Bonzer, when she was on security team, and that poor woman, she was having a run. I mean, she's only got like two-inch legs, okay? So <laughs> she is doing what she can to stay up with me, okay? Can you imagine my children, though? They got one-inch legs, right? Nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And man, when I go, I mean, I'm ready to go. Get your shoes on, get your coats on. We're walking out the door, all right? And so we're getting out the door, and I say, grab my hands, and we're walking, <laughs> Right? And that's where they're at, right? They're back here. And they're doing everything they can to try to keep up. And see, that's the key. The Spirit's on a mission. The Spirit's probably not going to slow down for you. But one thing I know that my kids do, they do everything they can to catch up. To walk with me. And if that means they take double steps, they take double steps. And if that means they jog or run, they, they jog or they run. You understand? They're willing to do whatever it takes to walk with me. And it's a picture of how the Holy Spirit, he gives us gifts, he gives us things, and he says, here's the fruit. This is what I want from you, right? Not law-oriented, though. But this is the picture. This is what is creating you. This is what naturally should be coming out of you in order to walk with the Spirit. And so we have love and joy, peace, forbearance, patience. King James is the only one that takes this word, okay, and says long-suffering. Right? Not patience. Patience is the, the nice way. Long suffering. Oh no, I've never prayed for long suffering. Right? I almost guarantee none of you have ever prayed for long suffering. God, I would be so blessed if you would just create situations in my life where I could be long suffering. And yet, we all know he does it. And there are times that I'm challenged by this. People that are chronically ill, Right? a disease or a sickness that is never going to go away, they're the only Christians I've ever really see that get this word. 
patience and forbearance because it's long-suffering. And these are the gifts. These are the fruits, right? These are the things that God goes, tell you what, this is how I want you to live. If you want to know what you should look like to the people around you, you should be filled with love. Love of God, love of your neighbor. I mean, love, genuine love, actionable kinds of love. Do you notice how all these lists that we've been going through this January and reorienting our side, they're kind of interlaced. So we've talked about love extensively, this agape love, this self-sacrificing love, and that is fruit of the Spirit. You want to be walking with Jesus? You want to be walking with the Spirit? Love and joy, right? The kind of joy that, that endures through suffering. The kind of joy that says, I can swing my feet out. I know things are difficult and challenging, but I'm going to trust God to be with me. Peace. Peace. I've shared this with you before. Uh, again, the kids get on the bus. We have one last little tradition. Uh, as I'm leaving from the bus, I t look over them and I flash the gang sign, right? Peace. Peace. <laughs> The Dyer family gang sign, Team Dyer, okay? Peace. And I mean it. I want peace for them this day. I want peace to reside around them. I don't want them to live in such a frenzied hurriedness that, that their life is discombobulated, but that they enjoy the peace of God. And again, as you emulate and you show this kind of fruit that you would live in this way, the people around you are going to appreciate whether or not you are a person of peace and forbearance, right? Long-suffering patience, that ability to be able to stand in there during the long haul when the stuff is darkest, when you are the most alone when you've had all you can take and you can't take any more. One of the fruit of the Spirit is forbearance. That's when you know you're walking with the Spirit. Kindness, right? I mean, genuine kindness. Not the, well, I'm going to pick on them and show them how much I love them, guys. Genuine kindness and gentleness, right? Little hugs, little hand-holding, trusting that the Spirit is creating this fruit in you, that others receive it, that they're recipients of what God is doing in your life. And right, this is, again, let me remind you, this is not about being obedient to the law. This is simply painting a picture that says, this is how God has Christians live. This is the kind of fruit they produce. Notice it doesn't say, and if you're really a Christian, you'll have big buildings. And, you know, I mean, no. This is about love and joy and peace and forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, the kind of faithfulness that says, I'm going to stick through everything that God has in front of me. And I'm not going to care who's voted in and who's voted out. I'm not going to worry about the next legislation because, you know what, I've got faithfulness and trust in God. Gentleness, right, that softness, that, that ability of being approachable even, 
right? That you're so gentle that people are like, oh, don't you just want to crawl up, sit in their lap? Gentleness and self-control. And here's the problem with this last one, self-control. Many of you are going, yeah, okay, yes, now we get back to sin control. Don't live there today. All right, don't, don't live in this self-control, this, this idea that I'm going to lock down the sin in my life. Because you're probably not. But rather, be humble to God and go, God, how do you want me to live? And he's going to go, well, here's the fruit I want for you. Love and joy, peace and patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Others of you that are more musically inclined, okay? Here you go, love and joy. Peace and patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And some of you are like, that, that's really sweet, but that's not really my sound. That's, all right, so those of you 80s rockers a little bit, you love and joy, peace and patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Others of you, a little more classic-minded, right? A little opera. Love. Okay, yeah, maybe that doesn't work for you. Those of you that are more marine fishing. Okay? Those are all free for you today. All right? You just pick one. You just pick one. I'm telling you. Yeah. See, that's joy. That's when we go, you know what? Learning scripture is not a bad thing. It's kind of fun. It should be. This is how God wants me to live. And that's what fruit bearing does. It's what fruit bearing does. You see, when the fruit of the Spirit is lived out by you, others can't help but wanting to be a part of it. The greatest witness of the grace of Jesus Christ is you. Winning over the souls of those who are lost is you, by the gifting of the Holy Spirit, to live and to walk with God. Amen. And now truly, may this word of the Lord strengthen your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us all home.